Welcome to Uncharted Journeys. I'm your host, Kathy McKnight. And if, like me, you're ever sat back and wondered, how did I get here, whether literally or figuratively, in terms of your career or life in general, then you're in good company and have come to the right place. On Uncharted Journeys, you'll hear from amazing women about their straight and narrow, zigzaggy, or somewhere in between paths to success. Today's guest is the CEO of Content Stack, founder of Built.io, venture capitalist, serial entrepreneur, has been named to San Francisco's 40 under 40 list and top 50 women in tech dominating Silicon Valley, a sommelier, and I'm sensing a theme in my guests here, um, and an amazing dancer and inspiration to her teams. I am so excited to have her on my show. Welcome, Neha Sampat. Thank you, Kathy. I'm so excited to be here. An amazing dancer is an interesting, <laughs> interesting addition to the profile. <laughs> Well, listen, after spending a couple of days with you in Austin and the team, um, I guess almost a month ago now, um, and seeing the amazing displays, and I do mean amazing, it was just, it was fantastic to see everybody engage um, with regards to your dancing when we kicked off the <laughs> event and you had dancing on stage and then, you know, the party and whatnot. So I, I'm thinking, I, we've talked before how I've asked if you ask people as part of their interview process, if they like wine and if they say no, then they don't get hired. And I'm wondering if dancing is part of that screening process as well. Well, you know what, it's, if you're boring, you probably don't work at Content Stack. It's really more about never being boring and always kind of being curious. I love that. Um, and, you know, as I mentioned, content stack or uh, content con that we, we just had um, was, was, a, was a great turnout. It was nice to see such a blend of, of individuals coming out. There was so much discussion. And I loved the theme of, of impact and building communities through impact. There was a real um, tribe vibe. Uh, you really felt people getting connected. And I mean, that kind of thing's got to come from the top, right? You need your leadership to be embracing that. So, so kudos to you. Thank you, Kathy. Yeah. I mean, I, I have to give credit back to the team who, I mean, the people that come to a company like Content Stack typically are there because they want to make a difference and challenge the status quo. And so when you gather people like that from so many different backgrounds, but with a common mission, you get a lot of really good energy. And I think we, we get to witness some of that at ContaCon. Yeah. So I gave a very brief intro, uh, certainly did not do you justice. Do you want to tell our, our guests a little bit about yourself? Sure. Yes. So it, um, Neha Sapa, I've been a an entrepreneur for as long as I can remember and have been a combination of tech and many other things over the years. Um, I'm currently CEO of Content Stack. Content Stack is a content management platform experience system tool, whatever the world wants to call it, depending on the day and, um, and how the world perceives what's happening in a changing market. But essentially, we power digital experiences for a lot of large brands that are trying to get away from the old and embrace a lot of what's new, interesting, more engaging, dynamic experiences on the web and all the other places where we consume digital, including watches and billboards and screens inside stores and in stations and everywhere else that we're consuming. Interesting digital content that um, makes us feel like we're a part of the conversation with the brands that we interact with. And uh, essentially, that's what Content Stack does. And it certainly does that. That you, Content Stack is is taking the industry by storm. It's it's been a while since we've had an, an upstart, and it's certainly not an upstart. You guys have been around for a while, but the last couple of years, your trajectory has been um, 
quite impressive. Um, I got to say, having been an industry analyst for almost 15 years now, it's it's not often we see, we see that hockey stick go straight up the way you guys have over the last little while. And you mentioned, you know, being an entrepreneur uh, since you can remember. I do believe in in prepping for today's conversation and and at the conference. You were 12 when you started your first business. You started up a fan club for your favorite band. Now I'm forgetting who that band was. You can't forget the new kids on the block ever. New kids on the block, of course. <laughs> yes, I was I was a big fan. But you know what's always interesting is when I enjoy something, I've from a very young age tried to turn it into a business, which um, kind of goes with the territory of being a born entrepreneur, I suppose. But I did start a fan club with a friend of mine in Southern California, and uh, we were very scrappy. We took the, the magazine that was really popular with teenagers at the time called Big Bopper, and took out a little ad in the back for something like 20 bucks and essentially said, if you're interested in being a part of the fan club, join. It was completely unofficial. We had no rights to anything. We didn't know what copyright or trademark or any of that meant at the time at 12 years old. But we actually made $1,800 through mail. People sent us checks and they sent us um, cash. And in return... My parents who had a print shop allowed me to come in on a weekend and make um, plagiarized folders of New Kids on the Block material, which we sent out to our fans. And then we learned at a very early age, this was me and my best friend as, as a child, to reinvest. So everything that we made from that went into our next business, which was the Neighborhood Olympics. And then that went into a babysitter's club and so on and so forth. And so the two of us were kind of born entrepreneurs from that point. She's actually still an entrepreneur as well. Well, certainly a great foundation and, and brilliant segue, which I, we may have already answered this question, though. But my first question to you is, what was the first career, mem- career you remember wanting to do when you grew up? I was, I mean, always born to be an entrepreneur. I, Like I said, other kids were playing house. I always played business. One of the ones that I remember, because I had a couple friends that were really into fashion, and I didn't really care too much about fashion, but I like the idea of you can make money doing it. So we started a fashion business and they were they got to try on cool stuff. And I got to pretend that I was taking orders and, and getting faxes of fashion designed um, things for, uh, for for weddings and things like that. So um, I guess an entrepreneur. I, and, and you've done that. So congratulations. <laughs> um, now, who would, was the first big influencer in your life? You know, I've had so many, but I I think it would um, make sense to recognize someone who uh, I actually recently lost that I just found out a few days ago um, took his life. And it's really saddening because I never really got a chance to thank him for the impact he had. But he was one of my first employers when I decided I wanted to go into public relations. I was uh, my senior year of university and he took me in as an intern with like little to no experience and actually gave me clients to manage on my own and taught me to put the customer first, to challenge the status quo, which I still do today. And because of him, I think I had gained a lot more confidence than I would have otherwise. He kind of gave me the, he kind of trusted me to just run with things, to get, to meet with press, to meet with customers on my own. And that gave me so much confidence that I actually, my first real 
business out of university was starting a PR agency of my own. And I learned a lot from him. So that's Brad Bauman, who ran a PR agency in Denver called the Bauman Group. And we just lost him a few days ago. I'm so sorry for your loss. That's, uh, that's tragic. Clearly uh, impactful. And your confidence exudes. You walk into a room and you can, you, you feel the confidence, which, you know, not it's not always a thing and, and particularly for women and particularly in the tech industry, but we'll get into that in a little bit. So what song would you say epitomizes your career path? I would say don't stop believing by journey and um, actually like play it for myself uh, often, but I also play it for my team and for the kids in my life and we'll send it to friends when they're going through something. So it's a, I think it's a long-term long lasting song. I love that. And if your career was a street name, what would it be? I'd have to say the road less traveled. <laughs> that's uh, certainly suited for, for uh, Uncharted Journey. So that's the perfect response. So thank you for that. Now, I mean, your journey has been both um, straight and narrow and, you know, very focused because serial entrepreneur, as, as we've mentioned, number of businesses but it's not always been in the same genre. Um, you've moved around, uh, like me, you started your career off in PR, which I didn't know that we shared that, so that's interesting. Um, but what has that career journey looked like? Obviously, being driven from that sense of entrepreneurship and, um, and a creativeness as well, um, and drive to succeed, how has the journey looked like? What, what's it been for you? You know, what's, what's interesting about the road less traveled is there it's not defined and you kind of make up the journey as you go and you make decisions that take you down different paths. And I would start with the fact that my career started in public relations. My degree was in journalism and French, two things which uh, are probably important to my life and have played a role in my journey, but not really have, are not typical of, you know, ending up being a tech CEO. I don't have a technical background. I don't have engineering or computer science at all from an academic perspective. But I started in PR in healthcare when I was working at the Bauman Group in Denver. And when I graduated from university, I moved to Silicon Valley because I wanted something fast paced. Didn't really know what that meant. It was the dot-com time. I was like, I'm going to this dot-com thing. And I started working at a PR agency focused on helping companies in Asia bring their business to the U.S. and learned a ton. And within eight months, left to start my own PR firm. And I never really looked back after that. Stuck, stuck my whole being into tech and learned a lot about products and bringing products to market and found that my passion was really more on products than it was on public relations and talking about the products. And so I really learned how to become a builder as a result of that. And it's always been kind of not what it seems, right? Being non-technical, being a female, um, being bootstrapped for the first 10 years of my enterprise entrepreneurial journey in the product space, but still figuring out a way to carve a path that made sense for me. So I had another guest um, from another tech firm who, interestingly enough, again, similar to you, more of a creative arts background, and um, j'adore que tu parles français. Um, it's, and she, too, was drawn to the product side of things and has ended 
not ended up. I mean, she, her trajectory is still moving forward, but her passion for product definitely um, has what's driven her and, and taken her down her path in the tech industry where she finds that crossroads between the creativity and building something um, through tech products. So, you know, as we've mentioned, serial entrepreneur, this, this passion for product um, and blending that, was there something, was there a defining moment decision maybe in working with the tech companies early that really impacted your trajectory to be one in a builder um, of technology? I, I think there was a moment and, and it, it probably happened two or three times before I, re, like, it was kind of a pattern that I all of a sudden realized, oh, wow, I really enjoy product. And it was that I was sort of bringing this business mindset to a bunch of people that were very technical and engineering um, minded. And I think <clears throat> what I learned was that I had some unique value to bring to the table. And I don't think I realized that going into it because I coming from a PR standpoint, I was used to thinking about what should the headline be. And I think that was a really good training actually for going into a, a very heavy technical company. One of my first clients was a company, Acer, um, which I was working with a lot of engineers and they became product managers, but they were still engineers that were product managers. And I essentially played the role of the product marketer that was understanding the technology, but really extracting the business benefit. And I found myself doing that. I ended up getting my MBA and going to work for Sun Microsystems in a product management role. And in that, I also found myself surrounded by really smart engineers that couldn't do the one-liners. And, you know, as I was constantly having these conversations, trying to extract what's the one-liner, what's the business benefit? How do you define the value of what the technology brings to the table so that there's a technology side and a business side of the conversation. And that's been a theme that has carried through all the way to my journey today at Content Stack, where we're constantly balancing the importance of the business user and the technical user. And that's something that came from me trying to navigate a room full of engineers at a very young age. Well, we've had some similar, similar paths. Again, we, um, one of my bosses used to tell our clients that I spoke dolphin. Um, I don't think he always necessarily meant it in a, in a nice way, but I was, I like you, the same being able to take that tech speak and turn it into a business language that people understood. So gathering requirements and whatnot, and really translating it into either the business benefit from a tech to business side or, um, a requirement, a, a technical need, if you're taking it from the business to the technical side. So, that I think again is a is a really unique perspective and and one that we don't often see from a leadership perspective at a tech company, um, because often the the their leader the leaders are technical background they're they're engineers they're computer scientists and they understand what they're building, but can't necessarily articulate that. So being able to you know, put it into plain language um, is definitely a skill. And I hadn't thought about it as the, what's the headline? Um, that's a great way of looking at it because you narrow it down. What's the one thing, if you're only going to give them one thing to think about and to understand what is that one thing. So um, clearly you've been doing that very well with uh, with all of your companies. But in in doing that, and and you're still working with both creative and business and technical people, 
what's that like? What what continues to drive you and, and make you want to get up in the morning? Um, you've started so many businesses and have been a part of so many exciting things. Do you get to the point where you're like, okay, I need something new, that drive, that rush of, of risk and, and adventure um, in your day-to-day? You know, what's, what's interesting is every day is different when you're an entrepreneur and it's not boring. And one of my mottos is never be boring. So like I said at the beginning, if you're boring, you probably don't work at one of the companies that, that I'm a part of or that I run. I, I think my role as CEO is really about rallying, unblocking and getting out of the way. So I, I tend to try to understand who I have on my team, what their superpower is, and essentially give them what they need to be able to do their best work, because that's what's going to make them happy, but also deliver the best results for the rest of the team and for the company's bottom line. And so it's re- it's really very symbiotic, symbiotic if you learn how to understand that everybody is different and the way that they work and the way that they bring things to the table is different. And that could be a technical mindset. It could be a creative mindset. It could be someone who's just really diligent about getting things done and super efficient and it's a puzzle. And that's what keeps me excited about the role is like the puzzle constantly changes. The pieces change that sometimes it gets more complex. Sometimes there's less pieces. Sometimes there's more running a company like this, especially as you go through different stages of scale, it's a puzzle and solving that over and over and over again, as things evolve, it's fun, you know, and it kind of, it keeps me going. It keeps me excited. It keeps me engaged and I think my value is being able to understand how different all the different puzzle pieces are and then figuring out how do you maintain a culture of, of positivity and impact as you continue to scale and grow. And so it's, it's about not settling and not like getting comfortable, constantly challenging the status quo, and then constantly challenging your team to evolve as the company evolves as well. Yeah, not getting comfortable, I think, is a really great piece of advice. We often, there are times where you want that. Um, life is hectic and sometimes complexity is is not a welcome thing. Um, but if you're not being challenged, if you're not waking up thinking, okay, how am I going to do that? I think you can come become complacent and you don't get to where you are. You don't reach your the apex of what your what your what your possibility, the art of the possible, um, unless you are in that uncomfortable space, probably more often than not. So, getting you to think outside the tech space because you know you've been there for a while. Um, if you weren't in the tech space, what would you be doing, or maybe what's on the next horizon for you? I, I wish I had so many more years because I have so many interests, and I would have had so many different careers, but. There's, there's a few areas that stand out to me. I've, um, you mentioned it early, but I have, a, I have a love for wine. I studied in France when I was in college, fell in love with the idea of wine, viticulture, all of the history that comes with wine and wine regions and families and multicultural and multigenerational uh, drama in the wine space. And so I think I would do something related to hospitality, travel, tourism, wine tourism, if I was maybe retired or had the freedom to not think about money. They always say that to make a fortune and make a small fortune wine, you start with a big one. So maybe that's something <laughs> down the road. Um, but a couple of other areas, I think academia has always been super interesting to me. And I do think that maybe someday I'll 
either guest lecture or run my own course or become a part of an organization that's teaching about entrepreneurship and thriving as a leader. Um, I think I would really enjoy learning from earlier stage entrepreneurs and people that are um, bringing new ideas. And so being a part of that would be a lot of fun. And then generally uh, part of my side hustle is always philanthropy. And so if I could do more of that, I would. I try to tie it into my world personally, also into Content Stack. We pride ourselves a lot on giving back to our communities and um, I would do more if I could. Yes, I love in one of the pieces that I, I read um, about you, you talked about your passion of, of entrepreneurship, um, achieving equity, value-based leadership, and the democratization of technology. And honestly, those four things, bringing those together, um, if we could all approach our world that way, it would be such a better place. Um, the, the de democratization of technology, we in the industry need to do more of that. And I, I think some of the work that you've done, um, not only just in the technology space, but also with the charities that you work with, the, the one that spoke at the conference was so moving. That video that um, your team pulled together for them was amazing, um, which if we can, we'll, we'll link to from, from this post. Um, but it's, it's really interesting to see how you've been able to succeed in all of those things and, um, and still move forward along those sort of parallel paths um, to tie all of those interests and whatnot together. So before we wrap up, um, you've given us a lot of great advice already, but for our listeners, particularly the women in our audience, what would be your best piece of advice with regards to you know, life, career, success, happiness, whatever you think is if there was one thing you could share? I think, I, I don't know if you, do you know the Brian Dyson keynote about the five balls? Have you heard that? I don't. Okay. This is a good one. So Brian, um, Brian Dyson was formerly the president and CEO of Coca-Cola and gave a really great keynote um, a few years ago. And this one really stuck with me. It was the concept of your life is a game in which you're juggling five balls and they're, they're always in the air and you're constantly dealing with them. And one of them is work. The others are family, friends, health, and spirit or soul, depending on where you, uh, what you believe. Um, and you're keeping all these in the air constantly. And this is your whole life from when you're a kid all the way till you retire and even beyond that. And what you find is that work is the rubber ball and the rest are made of glass. If you drop the work ball, chances are it will bounce back. It, it will. The work doesn't go away. The work is never ending. But your health is so important. And just thinking of it as something very delicate and thinking about your friends and your family and the relationships that you care about, and then thinking about what's important to you inside, your heart, your soul. For me, that's philanthropy and giving back. Um, those, are, those are all made of glass. And so dropping those, they're much more delicate, much harder to put back together. And so if you think about your, the way you approach things in that way and um, striving for when you're striving for balance, just knowing that most likely whatever work you didn't get to today will still be there in the morning. I love that. Um, that is excellent. And I'm going to go find that keynote note, note and listen to it. And I'll also link it to link to it from um, the notes. So in closing, you have so much going on, uh, content stack and whatnot. You're a fellow podcaster. So tell our audience where they can find you, um, web, social, upcoming events. 
Sure. Yeah. So I, I love LinkedIn. You can find me on um, LinkedIn. Uh, it's slash my full name, Neha Sampat. Note that there are two Neha Sampats. We're both the same age. We both married someone of the same last name and we both lived in San Francisco for a long time. So we get mixed up all the time. She's also super incredible. So you should check her out as well. She does a lot of work on diversity, equity, and inclusion, which is part of the reason we get mixed up all the time. And she's been on my podcast, which is called Dream Makers, where I inter- interview women who are doing awesome things and changing the world and really balancing the, the um, intersection of profit and purpose. And so um, you can check out Dream Makers wherever you um, get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, et cetera. Um, and if you know anyone that I should talk to or interview on DreamMakers, feel free to um, reach out to me on LinkedIn and let me know. Excellent. Well, thank you so much. Um, I've so enjoyed today's conversation, truly inspiring. And to my audience, thanks for listening to Uncharted Journeys with me, your host, Kathy McKnight. I hope you've enjoyed our conversation with Neha and learning how to grow a spark with passion into a purposeful maelstrom, because that's that's how I would describe you, um, that creates change for good. If you're keen to hear more amazing stories from amazing women, join me next week when I'll be speaking with Lonnie Stark, Vice President of Content and Commerce product at Adobe and co-founder of Spark Insider to learn how applying her creative drive to both her day job and her passion project has made her a thought leader in product tech space and would-be movie star. And as always, you can head over to unchartedjourneys.net to sign up for our email list, as well as check out all the links and resources in the show notes. And there are going to be several in this one. So thank you again for listening and see you next time. And until then, enjoy the journey. Thanks, Kathy.